Down at the cross where my Savior died Down where for cleansing from sin I cried There to my heart was the blood applied Glory to His name Glory to His name Glory to His name There to my heart was the blood applied Glory to His name I am so wondrously saved from sin Jesus so sweetly abides within there at the cross where he took me in glory to his name glory to his name glory to his name there to my heart was the blood applied glory to fountain that saves from sin I am so glad I have entered in there Jesus saves me and keeps me clean glory to his name glory to his name glory to his name there to my heart was the blood of Glory to His name Come to this fountain so rich and sweet Cast down soul at the Savior's feet Plunge in today and be made complete Glory to His name Glory to His name Glory to praise and glory belongs to Him. We praise Him this morning that He's allowed us to come and to assemble, assemble together again in His name for the purpose of worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. We're thankful that uh, He has made a way for you to be here this morning. We're thankful for each one present. We're thankful for those who listen uh, to this message abroad, we pray that the Lord Holy Spirit would make this message something first that would be pleasing to Him and something that He will use to encourage, to strengthen, to fortify, and to save souls. It is by this foolishness of preaching that God saves souls. It is His design and His way. We simply follow His command in obedience to His Word to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. First Corinthians chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, 
For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princesses of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit, the spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Well, we're going to remain in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 this morning. Recently, we have been teaching and preaching on the mind of Christ. The request has been made to me in the past uh, that I would teach more on practical application of daily living for Christ. And so I have tried to concentrate on that a good bit here recently. How do we have the mind of Christ? And chapter 2 of the book of Corinthians, Paul's talking to the church at Corinth, uh, has a lot of gold nuggets, as our previous pastor, Brother Suarez, would say. And they just need to be dug up and looked at. So we want to look at that some this morning. In the 16th verse, chapter 2, For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And certainly, we realize no one has known the mind of the Lord to the point to instruct him. He is God. He knows all things. And he does all things well. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? Well, when the Lord saves us, He makes us alive, that part of us that was dead or separated from Him, unable to comprehend the Word of God, unable to make a connection with Him. This separation or death is changed into life or a connection with God. The Word of God is nourishment and instruction for us what is the mind? Well, the mind is the intellect, right? It's the process by which 
we think. It's a thought process. And how did he think? What attitude did he have? What perspective did he live from? And we know that the Lord gave all glory to the Father, didn't he? He prayed to the Father constantly. He taught us how to pray to the Father. We have the mind of Christ by activating or taking into action the knowledge that God has given us of Himself and how to live like Him. In other words, we take control of our thoughts. We did not have the ability to seek God, nor the desire or the will before this change. He made a drastic change in us when He quickened us or made us alive, brought us from this separation from God to this connection we have with Him now by saving our souls. On a daily basis, how do we live for Christ? How do we apply the knowledge that we have to the thoughts that we think and the actions that we take and the words that we speak. Well, we have to take the thoughts of our mind captive. We can't allow our minds to just drift into any thoughts or uh, drift into any uh, belief that doesn't coincide with God's Word. It's easy to do because there are so many different spirits out there, so many different directions of belief of God, so many different ideas about God. And they're easily brought into our minds because we see them, we hear them, they're everywhere. We have to aggressively take captive our thoughts and ensure that we maintain thoughts of the Lord. Over and over we're taught in the Word to consider Him. You have problems, you're sick, you're confused, you're in pain, consider Him. That's always the beginning of the answer, isn't it? Consider Him. Look at Jesus Christ and what He went through. Look at why He went through it and who He went through it for. You. It lightens our load when we do that, doesn't it? It really does. Because He is carrying this load alongside us. So, the reason that we must have the mind of Christ, and we do, Paul just stated that very thing in the 16th verse in the 2nd chapter of 1 Corinthians, we do have the mind of Christ. Is because we're in this spiritual battle and it is fought in the mind. We've recently talked about how we don't really have many enemies in our daily walk. There aren't a lot of people that hate me or there aren't a lot of people that give me a hard time on a daily basis. But in my mind, there are. In my mind is where this battle is fought. Because the influence of the world wants to change my mind. The things of the world want to influence me so that I will drift away from trying to be like Jesus and try to be like my heroes here in the world, whoever they are. They may be a football player. It may be 
uh, a government official. It, it could be anybody. But if we have the mind of Christ, we have one hero. Amen. We have one Lord and Savior. Amen. And He has accomplished something that no human being could accomplish. And that is, He has saved these that we've been talking about already this morning who are dead in their trespasses and sins. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not one has kept His Word perfectly. Only the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He had the perfect mind. He had the perfect thought processes. He was humble, wasn't He? When it came to pride... He pointed to his father, didn't he? Every time. All right. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12 for just a second. Hebrews 12. And we've looked at this recently. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The sin that doth so easily beset us. Where does this happen? Where is it that this sin does so easily beset us or set us back? It's in our mind. It's in our minds. That's where sin starts, isn't it? Well, yes, we may through our eyes see something that would cause us to desire to sin, but it's in the mind where the decision is made. It's in the mind where we allow <coughs> sin basically to control us. That's what it does, isn't it? It does. It can change our direction in our chain of thought. That makes sense. We're thinking one way, and then something happens. We see something. We hear something. We remember something, and now we're thinking something totally different. The battle is in our minds. Verse two says, "Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God." For consider him. There's your answer. What thoughts can and do we have on a daily basis that will eliminate or block out these thoughts of sin, the sins that do so easily beset us or set us back or cause us to change our direction? It's considering Him, isn't it? It is. When we consider Christ... All these other things, they just fall by the wayside, don't we? Don't they? We realize that the things that are earthly are just that. They're earthly. But the things, starting with thoughts, that are heavenly are always heavenly. There's a separation there. Just as there's a separation in your mind... And in your heart. Why do I say that? Because you still have the natural man present within you, don't you? 
You do. That's where the battle's coming from. But praise God, you also have this new person within you that God has created. What a Savior. He provides all that we need, doesn't He? When we consider Him, we won't be wearied and faint in our minds. That's what it said, right? Hebrews 12.3, For consider Him that endures such contradiction of sinners. Is that what we're doing? It is, isn't it? It is. We are enduring contradiction of sinful thoughts to godly thoughts. The thoughts where we're considering Him. Looking to Him. Relying on Him. Trusting in Him. For consider Him that endures such contradictions of sinners against Himself, which is what we're doing, lest you be wearied and faint. Where? In your minds. In your thoughts. You see, the mind of Christ, I believe, grows within us as we and the more we consider Him. Think about Him and the strength that those thoughts will bring to your mind will carry you through a lot of these sinful and worldly thoughts and lust and love of the world. It will carry you through those in your strength because you have the mind of Christ. When we consider Him... We considered once before our current position in this spiritual conflict that we're in. Now, our current position can be moving in the direction of drawing us closer to the Lord. And the more we consider Him in time, the more time we spend considering Him compared to the amount of time we don't spend considering Him, it's what makes a difference. Remember the brother that used to be here years ago, and he talked about a black dog and a white dog, the Tom Wright. And uh, he was talking about his daily battle in his mind, living every day. And he said it's like having a black dog and a white dog, and they fight all the time. They never stop fighting. <coughs> but whichever one you feed the most wins that day. The same thing is true in our daily walk with the Lord. It really is. The more we're involved uh, in the things of the world and the love we have of the things of the world, the further we drift away from Him and from the strength and the stand that we have we have a stand for Jesus Christ, don't we? And our lives must reflect that. Not just in some places or at some times, but always. And the more we consider Him, the more we will have victory over the deceiver. The Bible says He's like a roaring lion going about deceiving anybody He can. He wants to control our thoughts, doesn't He? But praise God, He doesn't have power over the love of God for us. Even He can't separate us from the love of God. So, to walk with Christ, 
and to think like Christ as He does, we need to keep our minds filled with what? Scripture. With God's Word. He's provided it because He knew we needed it. He knows we need it on a daily basis. Over in Ephesians 6 where we have studied about the the uh, whole armor of God. Paul of the church's Ephesus tells them to put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because of the wiles of the devil that are against us. And again, this battle is a spiritual battle. And our enemies are in high places with authorities and powers, but not over God's people. We noticed what I was going to say, that there's one offensive weapon in this description of the armor that we have available and must put on to fight against our enemy, and that is the Word of God. It's the offensive weapon, isn't it? Oh, and it's powerful. It's more powerful than a two-edged sword. It cuts coming and going, doesn't it? Over in Hebrews chapter 4, God's Word is the answer to controlling our thoughts. It really is. The more we fill our mind with God's Word, the less room there is for all the deception that would enter our minds constantly. We see it everywhere in the world. Hebrews chapter 4 and chapter 10. It says, For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Why? Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. We can fall away. We're never going to lose our salvation. It's eternal. But we can allow the things of the world to draw us away from God. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the Word of God is quick. And that word means alive. And it is. It's alive to us. We understand it because God has quickened us and revealed Himself to us. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Praise God when He saves us. He puts His Spirit within us. There is a division there. Oh, and the side that we feed with the proper food will be the triumphant side of our being, of our mind, of our life on a daily basis. For the Word of God is quick and powerful, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What is? 
the Word of God. There's our answer. We want to increase in having the mind of Christ so that we think properly, so that we can say what we need to say properly, speak to other people properly, live properly as an example. The answer is in God's Word. Or, as I said before, consider Him. Constantly consider Jesus Christ. Because that's what this Word, that's who this Word is all about, isn't it? Old Testament and New Testament, it's all about the Son of God loving us before the foundation of the world. God the Father gave Him, Jesus Christ, a people. And the Lord Jesus voluntarily came to this earth. Born with no man involved in His birth, of course. So that He wasn't tainted with the inherited nature that you and I are born with. No, He was perfect. He was impeccable. He didn't sin. He didn't desire to sin. His mind was pure. Paul says we have His mind. Oh, that we would exercise it. Oh, that we would exercise the spiritual knowledge and discernment that we've been given in His Word. We'd be stronger, wouldn't we? We would. God knows everything, doesn't He? Verse 13, we're in Hebrews chapter 4, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in His sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. Seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Hold fast our belief. Hold fast the Word of God. Boy, He's provided everything we need, hasn't He? Praise God that we have the mind of Christ this morning. We are able to follow Him because He's given us the ability, the strength, and the power, and the mind. Oh, that we would think like He did, like He does. He lived that perfect life out for 33 and a half years on this earth. And he voluntarily gave it up because it's what God required for you to live spiritually. God was pleased with him, and he still is. Yes, he died on that cross, and he had our sins on him when he did. But the third day, he arose from that grave. And it's significant that God the Father sent an angel to roll back the stone to show that the prisoner had paid the full price. Not for anything he did wrong, because he didn't do anything wrong. They falsely accused him, but for what I had done wrong and for what you have done wrong. 
He paid the price. And He paid it all. All was paid by Jesus Christ for your eternal life. Oh, we're responsible to live like Him, aren't we? We're responsible to believe in Him. Every human being has a responsibility to believe in God. But God, in His mercy and grace, has saved souls. Why should any be saved? Based on human merit, none should. Yes, salvation is by works, by the works of Jesus Christ and Him alone. What a Savior.